0: You are now listening to the Two Room Scleroma Awareness Podcast. I am your host Natasha M. and join the show. Hey, TTR family, this is your Natasha, and I'm back. And today we have Amy. She is definitely one of those people that you want to get on Instagram and follow. She has a nice following, and she's all about scleroma. Hey, Amy. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm so happy that I was able to get you to come on. Um, It's just been a lot. So I said, let me reach out to her. Because I just wanted to get more people on that knows about Sparidoma and just being able to share exactly what it is that we go through.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'm super happy to be here. I appreciate you kind of giving me a little bit of a platform to speak more about it, it's, it's important.
0: Yeah, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us like where you're from and, you know, how did you get onto this scleroderma,
1: the scleroderma journey? Sure, so um, I am from upstate New York, a little town called Buffalo. Um, I've been here my whole life, uh, born and raised. Um, I was diagnosed with scleroderma when I was 19 um, so it was 2001, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I was just so young and I didn't really have a grasp on like what I was doing in my life. In that, in terms of like, I was just, you know, a 19 year old going to college, working full time, hanging out with friends, going to bar, you know, those kind of things. And so when I, when they first told me I was diagnosed, I kind of took it a little lightly, You know, 2001, there wasn't really a lot of information about scleroderma um, that I could find. Mm -hmm. So to me, I felt like, well, I feel fine. Right now I look fine. And so I just kind of pushed it aside and continued on with my life. But it wasn't really until I started to come up with a lot of issues uh, health-wise that I kind of you know, kind of had to address it head on, if you will. Yeah.
0: So what type of, um, do you have like a systemic, scler- um, systemic or limited? So I have
1: systemic scleroderma. Um, and then along with that, uh, I have pulmonary fibrosis and hypertension, and I have a lot of heart issues. So I have my heart, um, has like has been starting to have fibrosis in it so it doesn't pump the right way like normal people so um I have to be on medication that kind of regulates uh the beat so I don't go into like um afib afib or ventricular tachycardia you know all that good stuff
0: (laughs) yeah yeah that's kind of like me I have um um a I have afib and hypertension yeah I think it's called like hypertension. Yeah. I think it's something like that. Yeah. And it, and it messes with my heart. And I had to get a, a cardiac ablation. Yep. I've had uh, two of them. <laughs> so yeah. how do you, do you feel like the cardiac ablation helped in some kind of way? Or since you're saying you had two, how, how did the first one go?
1: So the first one I had was about seven years ago. Because um, I was going into AFib all the time. Um, and I had a lot of extra beats, so Mm -hmm. they did the first ablation. Um, and I always go out of state for a lot of my stuff. I have a team in Pittsburgh, uh, (laughs) locally there, there isn't a lot of people in Buffalo that kind of specialize in scleroderma. So I, I had to really advocate for myself and find, um, a center and specialists that were willing to kind of work together. So anyways, I, I went to Pittsburgh and I had the ablation and immediately after, like we, we knew that they didn't get rid of all of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And they had said, you know, it's, it's not going to be perfect. You're going to feel some, um, but I was still kind of going into AFib and having issues. So we decided to do another one. And this time, instead of like knocking me out like they would normally do for an ablation, they just gave me like conscious sedation so they could really track all of the beats. Like, because you know how they, when they put you under, they do, they promote your heart to make extra beats so they can ablate the problems. Right. Well, when they put me under the first time, all of my problem areas were not acting up. They couldn't find any extra beats or skip beats. So the second time they did it, they just gave me conscious sedation and they were able to get a lot more. And that one kind of did the trick.
0: Oh, okay. That's exactly what happened to me. Cause when I went in, um, when I went in my heart, I was like 257 beats when they were like, you know, are you okay? And they were like trying to see if they could still do it. And then once I got into the surgery, they were like, nothing had like your your heart was just like perfect like it was nothing going on so they just um i guess like cut off where they thought the problem was coming from and um they went from there and i don't really have having as bad as i i had it before but and it comes and go like it comes and it's like it's trying to go into afib but it doesn't really get the chance to fully go in if that makes sense
1: no yeah yeah because you can like once you have afib um you can feel like when your body's like, I don't know, it's really hard to explain, but you can feel when your body's like not right and trying to like go into that. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. Mine does that a, a little bit. Um, I had like right, right. When COVID hit, I had a, a episode where I went into VTAC, uh, ventricular tachycardia where my heart rate got above like 300. Mm-hmm. So um, they were super concerned. They thought like I had a heart attack and everything but they stabilized me. And then when I got to Pittsburgh and they did testing, they found out that I was having fibrosis in the micro vessels of the heart, like really small. So to be safe, we put a defibrillator in. So I have like a subcutaneous, like under the skin, underneath my armpit, Mm -hmm. left side, um, a box that has (laughs) some wires sticking out of it that kind of they kind of lead, um, the leads go underneath like your left breast and then up, um, in your sternum, in the middle of your chest. Mm-hmm. And then anytime my heart rate goes above 190, it'll shock me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I haven't gotten shocked yet with So I'm super happy about that. <laughs> oh, um, oh my God, that would be, I don't know. That would be kind of scary. And did they explain to you like what the shock would feel like? Um, they said, you know, some people, it it kind of feels like you're getting hit in the chest and then other people like kind of will knock you down or whatever. Um, they did shock me to see like, they have to, to see if it works, but I was under anesthesia, so I didn't feel anything. But like after that, uh, after they did surgery, like you definitely feel like you're, you have gotten run over by a truck Wow. for a couple of days, but my heart's been pretty good and they put me on some, rhythm modifiers uh amiodarone i think is what it's called Mm -hmm. um and it really helps for my heart stay at like a a good pace um but it's got really nasty side effects so i'm on the lowest dose um because i guess it can cause like a specific kind of fibrosis different from the one that scleroderma patients have Mm-hmm. Um, so, they have to just monitor it really well. But I've been doing well. I've been on it for about three years. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So, I'm doing pretty well. I mean, it's hard to talk about scleroderma and not, like, scare everybody, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I definitely understand that. Because people, like, I mean,
1: it's hard to even learn about it
0: without even being scared. Because, um, the, like, when you search and you go and you try to find things about scleroderma, everything is just so scary, you know, that's why I think, that's the reason why I started the podcast because I wanted people to hear, like, you know, it, it's not all easy, but it does get better. Like in the beginning when I was diagnosed, um, like you said, I didn't take it as serious until I started having these heart problems. And, you know, when I first got diagnosed, I looked it up online. And had I would have been able to go to like a podcast or be able to search or find someone that had it, and if they would have told me, like, you know, it does get rough, but it gets better in the end, I probably would have took care of it earlier versus waiting, because I feel like waiting made it worse for me.
1: Yeah, I get what you mean. Like, in the beginning for me, it was really hard because there wasn't really a lot of information like there is now. You know, I was diagnosed 21 years ago, so um, I had to do a lot of, like, learning through lived experiences and I didn't really take it seriously until I started to get really bad ulcerated sores on my fingers and my toes and they were contemplating taking a couple of my fingers like amputating them mm-hmm. and then I just got to the point where hey this is something that's very serious like um, I need to be kind of the co-pilot of my health you know and take this seriously so I I just kind of did a lot of research. I know they tell you not to go online, but that's really what I did. And I tried to find as many like clinical trials and different scleroderma centers that like had top-notch people. Mm -hmm. And I came across uh, UPMC, which is in Pittsburgh, and they had this doctor there, Dr. Thomas Metzger. He's retired now. But he was doing um, original clinical trials on stem cell transplants. So... I was all in, you know, to kind of maybe go and have one. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I got there, he told me that I, I, the progression of my disease was not going at a rate that I would be required to have one. Mm-hmm. Basically, I wasn't sick enough. Right. So, but I just loved going there and having everybody, like the medical, even the, even the office staff knew what scleroderma was, like knew all the issues that people have. And it was just so refreshing to find healthcare professionals that knew what you were going through and not in an intimate way, but like in a medical way, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it can be so hard. Like when you go to the emergency room or you go to a hospital and, and you have to fight for the right care because people don't know how to treat you. Like, no, you can't put three IVs in my arm cause you're not gonna, you know, like yeah. No, you can't use a humongous needle. You're gonna have to use like a baby needle and um mm-hmm. it's definitely been an uphill battle. It's it's taken a lot to get used to, as I'm sure it has for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's
1: I I know about the whole
0: hospital thing. That's probably like the worst part of it because you no, know, some doctors don't even know what it is. So, um instead of just saying, you know, hey, I really don't know what it is, let me try to get more help and just try to you know, well maybe it's this and maybe it's that. And then, I mean, one time I was in the hospital and they stuck me about fifteen times. And I'm like, those needles are not going to work. It's, I, I'm, it's just not going to happen. It's like, oh yeah, well we know she's a good this and that. And I'm like, oh my god. And I wind up leaving and not getting any help. And it's like, you know, it kind of sucks. But I definitely understand. But I wanted to go back and I wanted to talk about the ulcers. When you were saying the ulcers on your hands and feet, yeah. Now. My question is, is that a scleroderma thing or is that a Raynaud's thing?
1: So I think it's a little bit of both because you know uh, most patients with scleroderma have Raynaud's and um, that causes issues with blood flow and clotting, right? Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: But I think scleroderma also causes thickening and tightening of the skin. So sometimes I wouldn't even like hit my hand on anything. And I would just get an ulcer. So what I I think with me, it was I my skin was so tight in the beginning, that the bone was pushing against the skin. And -hmm. then I would just get an ulcer from the tightness. And I Mm -hmm. think having Raynaud's it didn't help me in terms of healing. Um, Everything would die, all my skin would die. I was I had black fingers at one point, Mm-hmm. Black toes. Um, I really had to like, <laughs> girl, if you wouldn't know all the stuff I had to try, <laughs> I, was doing, I was doing like this wave, uh, whirlpool therapy stuff where they stick your ulcerated sore in like salted water, which kills. And then mm-hmm. um, they run the water, like a whirlpool to try to like fluff off some of that dead stuff. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, they had me, I had this one doctor put my fingers in a bowl, like a metal bowl. And then they use these like electrodes that are attached to batteries.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they um, use like underwater shock waves to kind of try to promote healing. Needless mm-hmm. to say, that did not work. Yeah. <laughs> but well, like, you know, we don't have a lot in terms of wound care in general. So I think Reynolds is mostly, I think, the cause of it but I think scleroderma plays a part in it mm-hmm. because, you know, you're slow to heal, you um, know, your circulation is is bad anyway because of vasculitis or um, that your skin being so thick. And, you know, once you lose that skin, it's really hard for us to regenerate it. Yeah. So I've dealt with, uh, yeah, the ulcers were and still are a big part of my scleroderma journey. Mm-hmm. Um, which is annoying, but um, I finally was able to find a doctor that would do, like, some surgery to help, like, some of the, uh, to re, kind of redirect some of the blood flow. Mm-hmm. So, it's co- it was called a sympathectomy. I had it um, in 2005. I was one of three patients that this guy ever did it on, this doctor, and it was really successful. I had, it saved one of my fingers, and I hadn't had issues in a long time. Um, and then I had the other one done in 2015, my other hand, and I'm just now starting to kind of deal with some ulcers. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, it could only probably work for a certain period of time, but I think just because I had all these heart issues and I was changing a lot of my medicine and, um, I had to go down on some of like your, um, Circulation medicine or, like, your vasodilators or whatever um, because of my heart. So my skin was acting up with my Reynolds and stuff. I'm trying to get it under control.
0: Yeah. Have you ever heard of a medicine called uh, hydrochloroquine? Yes. Um, Can I I ask you, like, what's your review on it? Because I I just started taking it um, maybe, like, a month and a half ago. And it it seems as though... I have more problems with my hands turning colors and um, being a little more fragile now. Um, Before in the beginning of stendoma, I had a lot of ulcers and stuff and then it kind of just like went away. I haven't had any of those issues, but now that I started this new medicine um, I'm starting to um, get like this, like the top of my fingers are starting to get soft and then they are starting to turn colors. Mm
1: -mm. Yeah. I was on Plaquenil for, Uh, or hydrochloroquine for, um, I don't want to say five or six years. Mm -hmm. Um, It helped mostly with uh, like my stiffness in my legs and my hips. Um, Mm -hmm. It didn't really do much for like my Raynaud's or um, ulcerated sores or anything. It might just be that, and I'm not a doctor, so, but it might just be that your skin is is a little more pliable from the medicine and because it's softer you know you're you're doing more or whatever and you're banging it on things or um you know like i for me my skin my hands especially always do well when they're a little drier Mm -hmm. Um, and like i have some calluses so that i don't nick them on things and Mm -hmm. i know everybody says keep your skin moist and soft but for me, if my skin has a little bit of toughness to it, like I, I tend not to get as many ulcers. Right. It also may just be that whatever medications you're taking for the rain out, maybe you need to up a dose or whatever or something like that. Did they specifically say they were giving it to you for your ulcers, the hydrochloroquine? Um, well, I went
0: to the rheumatologist and she was saying that when she asked me, was I ever any medications? for my radars, and I told her no, and then she decided to put me on this, another hydrochloroquine, and I was just like, you know, okay, because I I'm not, I haven't had any issues, but then she looked at my fingers and said that I, I've had the ulcers before, but they healed, and that was just her suggestion for me to start that
1: medicine. Yeah, because uh, that wasn't something they never prescribed for me specifically for Reynolds and ulcerated sores. It was more for stiffness, and uh, my skin was really tight tight at the time in my like um, my, my ankles and my legs, the the bottoms of my legs. Because um, mm-hmm. I'm like one of those lucky people that also has some areas of localized scleroderma on my body. It's like five percent of the people have it. It's really awesome.
0: <laughs> okay. Localized is like where. You get,
1: like, hard patches of skin in, like, just certain spots. Okay, yeah. So I have them on the, like, my shins and my lower ankles, um, just a couple spots that were really, really tight. So they put me on the Claquenol, and it did help, Um, and I was on it for a long time. It might just mean that, like, you know, your body's a little more sensitive or your skin's getting a little tighter and you need, like, some some circulation medicine like um, Norvask or Lipitor. Sometimes they give um, to kind of open up the vessels.
0: Yeah. well, I know that I do have like um, like limited mobility as far as like, I guess the skin around my elbows um, are really tight so that I can't, you know, like my arms are kind of like at an angle and it doesn't go shrink. Yeah, that, yeah. So maybe that could have been one of the reasons why she um,
1: you know, gave it. Yeah, some- yeah. I mean, it does help improve the skin, like the softness of it. Mm-hmm. So that might, yeah. She might have done that for that. I would just next time you go, just tell her like, you know, you're, you've been taking the medicine for however long, and you think that um, you just noticed that your tip fingertips are turning. Uh, blue at times and see what she says I mean I was on that medicine and on a bunch of other medicine for brain and stuff so I mean it wouldn't hurt to just mention you know yeah yeah
0: so let's talk about um are you on the scleroderma board like the foundation
1: board so I am on the board of the scleroderma tri-state chapter um, so it's like a, there's a national foundation and then they have chapters in certain uh, states um, underneath them. Mm-hmm. So I am on the tri-state chapter, which is New York, Northern New Jersey, and Connecticut. We, we cover those areas. Um, I'm on the awareness committee for mm-hmm. national and I'm on a couple subcommittees um, for advocacy underneath national. Strictly with the National Foundation.
0: Okay, can you explain exactly like what it is that you do, like how like I guess your job <laughs> title, whatever.
1: Sure. So, um, I started off uh, trying to find a space for young adults with scleroderma, and I was looking for support groups or chat rooms or Facebook, and I couldn't really find anything that was specific to young adults like. 18 to like 40, like that core young adult age. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I reached out to my local chapter, which was a tri-state chapter at the time, and said, hey, you know, would you be willing to help me start up like a Facebook group um, to help patients, strictly young adults? And they said, sure. So I started working them with them about hmm, eight years ago. Um, and I started a Facebook group called the scleroderma superstars and it did really well. Um, mm-hmm. But then there was some issues with like privacy and things with Facebook. So um, they didn't want me to do it anymore. So I said, well, can I do like a virtual group, like a virtual group uh, to help young adults? So I started, I created Sync, which is scleroderma young adults needing connection and it's a virtual support group for young adults to come we have meetings um every other month on friday nights and it's doing really well like i get a lot of young people we do a lot of different topics that maybe you wouldn't talk about in a normal support group like intimacy dating um working pregnancy um you know things like that that maybe young adults would feel uncomfortable to talk about in a normal support group with older adults. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after I started doing that, they, um, I made a pitch to be on the tri-state board. So they elected me and really what the board does is just make sure that we're doing things the proper way, make sure we're giving support to young people uh, uh, or any people, you know, the community making sure we have education for patients and you know budgets and things like that. Um, so I do that and then really my passion has always been to awareness, to speak about my journey. So I, um, I travel all over, I travel all over the country, different organizations um, and just speak about, I give different presentations some about my, my journey, some about educating people. Um, I've worked with um, an organization uh, called the Stephens Foundation outside of Albany uh, doing what is called an interprofessional education event where they work with colleges, medical colleges, and they have scleroderma patients come and, and we teach the, the medical students what mm-hmm. scleroderma is, how to, how to treat somebody. Um, and that's really my passion. And then I got involved with ab- the advocacy on the, at a national level with the national foundation, um, because I, I went to Capitol Hill a few times national used to do an in-person Capitol Hill day
0: to mm-hmm. get a
1: scholarship for it. And so I, I went and lobbied with my representatives for specific bills and research, uh, funding, So that's how I kind of got involved in advocacy. And um, it's always been a goal of mine to be on this national scleroderma board um, to try to really make a space for young adults. Because I still feel like there's a gap Yeah, where like we have a lot of stuff for young children, pediatrics, and then we have senior citizen things. We have a male group that's doing really well. We have a BIPOC group that's doing great, amazing um, but there's still not a space for young adults. And so I'm trying to cultivate that. So that's basically what I do.
0: <laughs> oh, well, I think that's definitely great. Like, great idea, because like I said, a lot of people, um, a lot of the people that I talk to, they, read, like, they try to have these conversations with other people, but I noticed that a lot of them are afraid to talk about know, scleroderma or don't really want to face it just yet, you know, some of them are being diagnosed in their 20s and it's like, you know, they are still want to party and it's like, I don't want to hear about, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's a scary thing to think about, like, especially when you're diagnosed later on and down the line, it's almost like your life is going to change when well, your life do change dramatically, but it's not something that you want to think about at the moment until it really starts affecting you. And I think that if we could get more people to understand what sclerodoma is and get checked, and you know, get the help they need when they find out, and it being better off, better off of them down the line.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm a strong believer in everybody's journey is different, um, and I'm not, you know, where I am now is not where I was 20 years ago. I was angry and um upset and everything about my life changed um you know i couldn't go to school anymore because i was too sick i wasn't able to graduate college i was going to be a nurse and um i had to quit my job when i was 25 and go on disability and it was really tough for me like i think when you're diagnosed at such a young age it's i don't want to say it's more traumatic than having it at an older age, but it's just different. Like when you have it at an older age, you've lived your life.
0: You've mm-hmm.
1: had a career. You've had memories. You've traveled. You've had uh, uh, gotten married. You've had your babies, you know? And for me, uh, all that was thrown out the window. And I was really just left feeling like, where, where do I, what do I do? How do I pick up all these pieces? And it took me a long time. And I would have loved to have support from young, other young people, and that's why I started advocating for young adults and um, writing about my experiences. I write for the Scleroderma News and um, talking about my experiences and trying to raise awareness because it's been life-changing.
0: Yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah, I really like. Do, I really do appreciate you. Like I said, I was happy that I found your group sync. Um, I don't know. I gotta try to. I think like sometimes I don't get the emails for the uh the group. Yeah, um, I had
1: the office send them out this time, and I think a lot of. I don't know if they did it right, but our next meeting is June third. Um, I'll make sure you guys get the uh, announcements and stuff for that. And um, it's going to be about, in well, cause June is clear awareness month. Yeah. So it's going to be about um, empowering yourself as a patient. Um, and I think we're going to have a guest speaker. Her name is Eva Marie. Um, she's great. She does a lot of advocacy. She's working on getting a whole ton of buildings lit up for awareness month in New York city. So she's going to tell us how she does all that and just to kind of, boost up everybody's morale as patients like you don't have to be like a massive advocate or volunteer your whole entire life like I do to, mm-hmm. to you know empower yourself as a patient so yeah. I think it's it'll be great yeah
0: yeah I definitely can't wait I'll definitely share the information on my page also
1: amazing um, thank you
0: no problem I really do appreciate you coming on um did you did I tell you about event that I'm having in June. I got a flyer thing for it, but tell me a little more about it. Okay. So in 2019, I had decided I wanted to have, um, an event to honor people who are still living with squared because I felt like a lot of people weren't being honored or weren't being acknowledged until their past after their past. So, um, now I had it together, we were going to have like a nice little event, and COVID came, so I had to cancel it. So um, this year, I decided to bring it back, but bring it back in a different way. It's going to be an outdoor event, I'm going to have some entertainment, um, I'm going to give out awards and gifts to anybody that has sclerodoma, and it's just to acknowledge them and let them know that like, I see that you're fighting, I understand that it's not going to always be easy, but I'm here for you. And everybody else is here for you. So it's just like a, it's not really, um, it's pretty much just an event to just say, I see you fighting, pretty much.
1: That's amazing. Yeah. And where are you going to have it at?
0: Um, It's going to be in Wilmington. It's a park called uh, Fox Point um, State Park in Wilmington. Cool. Yeah, I'll definitely um, send you the flyer. Um, I've been working on it um for a little bit now and i don't know i just this is my first event and i just wanted to just do something
1: yeah know? Do, do you have a, a, a scleroderma like a local chapter out there that's virginia right
0: no that's uh i'm in delaware so oh, delaware, delaware yeah yeah um i don't have one out here but i was working with the uh what is it called I don't know. I think the chapter in like, New Jersey.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, if you're available, I would love for you to come. I know it's kind of far, um, but, you know, to come out and be a speaker or, you know, just share your story.
1: Amazing. Then- i have to see. Yeah. I'm doing a, cu- a couple different events in June, but I'll well, send me the flyer. and Let me see what I can handle. Okay. and i'll let you know i'll definitely share it with everybody on my social media and um you we could we should see if we could get it in the national newsletter or whatever okay yeah that would be great yeah that sounds like an amazing thing like i think you're doing just a great job i wasn't you know how long have you been diagnosed leticia uh 2014 so, yeah, I was not in the place that that you are now like acceptance space when I was you know only being diagnosed for a couple of years,
0: yeah, I think that um for me, I've always been um like my background, I've always been somebody who likes to you know give back like I had a drill team in Philadelphia um a lot of kids I took them to competitions, took them away on vacations and stuff and I was always, like, one of the type of people that's always out, like, we did the Labor Day parade, we did a lot of things, and my life kind of just changed, I went from being out, being around, having a good time, to pretty much being in the room, being in a room, in the bed pretty much 15 to 20 days out of a month, and then the other days, I'm in the hospital, so in the beginning yeah. of my journey, uh Sluridoma hit me really, really hard, and like it took everything from me, and, you know... I'm not, I'm not as bad as I was. And I just woke up one morning and I say, you know, this is not what I want. I don't, I'm, I'm young. I'm only 33. And by the time I was 32, I'm like, I lost all my friends. I don't have anybody to talk to. I'm pretty much just here. I have two kids that's looking up to me. I want to make a change. And then I just got up. I went online and I found the sclerodoma group in New Jersey. And I reached out to a lady named Kathy, mm-hmm. um, And she, you know, invited me to her car show. Um, I really wasn't feeling well, but I made it out there. And I was happy. That brought a smile to my face. And that's something I didn't have for a long time. So after that, I just been pushing forward. You know, my husband and my friends were like, you know, start a podcast. Talk like you're a talker. So, you know, help somebody else that is probably going through what you've been through. And I was like, you know what? That's what I'm going to do.
1: Yeah. That's, I mean, that's amazing. Like, you know, so many people just live with a disease and not do anything about it. And I think it's really honorable to have you out here just in spite of scleroderma, like just doing the damn thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, I always say we do what we can, when we can, and it's important for me to you know, I, I wanted to be a nurse, right? And I always wanted to help people and save people. And I think even though I can't do that as a career, I'm still doing it in my volunteer work. And if I could just help one person live a little bit of an easier life, then that means the world to me. And I think scleroderma patients or people living with scleroderma are just, um, we're a special kind of breed, right? Because we just don't give up.
0: Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. thank you so much Amy for coming on and if you ever need me for anything need me to promote anything you know just let me know and I really do appreciate you and you know don't tell me that Leticia because I'll be calling you hey (laughs) I'll be ready this is like like I said this is what I do besides you know with my two children sclerodome is all I have right now to do so I'm here
1: All right, I'm going to use you so don't you might regret that (laughs) (laughs) I'm okay. ready. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciated this. This is you know, I don't know if I could do a podcast like it seems like a lot, but, but you're doing such a good job of it, you know. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. All right,
0: Amy. So I'll uh, I'll uh, message you after we get off of here.
1: Okay. Sounds good. All right, thank you. Thank you so much, Leticia. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.
0: TTR The Till Room will be a bi-weekly podcast on Wednesdays. You will get all the information you need for the next guests and any events that we are having. So if you know someone who has sclerodoma or someone who wants to learn about sclerodoma, please share our information. You can find us on Instagram at the underscore room or you can email us at the Room twenty two at yahoo.com. This is your host, Latasha M. Stay blessed, stay safe, and stay positive.